All right, there we are. It is bright and early Monday morning, a beautiful day outside. It is November 15th, 2021. I'm Pastor Paul here doing a thing we call Romans Rewind. So we take 10, 5, 10, 15 minutes every weekday morning. Um, we camp out on a passage in Romans, and we're typically focusing on things that maybe we talked about on Sunday, um, but didn't get a, get a chance to really dive um, as in-depth into it as we could, or maybe something we didn't really touch on at all. As I've said before, Romans is full of theological richness, biblical truth. I mean, it is, it is deep, it is wide, and there's so much there. We could spend the rest of our lives in it, not get everything out of it. And so this Romans Rewind is meant to be sort of a complement to our preaching series at Four Oaks on Sunday mornings. We're, we're going through Romans, rags to righteous, and we are now up to Romans chapter five. And I wanna read the passage that we were in yesterday, and then I wanna talk for a few minutes about peace, all right? Uh, Romans five, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Now, one of the things that we said yesterday um, we talked about two kinds of peace, okay? We talked about an objective peace and a subjective peace. And I want to spend a little more time on this because there's a lot more we could have said, and there's definitely a lot we need to say about this. And so I used Romans 5.1 as an example of objective peace, meaning that it is an objective reality that when we have entrusted our soul to God, when we have placed our faith in Christ, when we are clinging to Christ alone for our salvation, we are no longer enemies of God. In fact, we are friends, and not just friends, but sons and daughters. We are not honored guests, but we are part of the family. And that is an objective status that nothing can change. Um, ultimately, our assurance of salvation and having peace with God is an objective reality. It is a, it is a truth that's rooted in the action, the decisive action of God. And that means that sometimes we can experience unrest in our life or a lack of peace. Um, we can even struggle and sin and experience unrest because of that. But ultimately that does not change the believer's status as being made right with God, as having this objective, eternal, permanent peace. And it's meant to be a bedrock. It's meant to be a foundation. It's meant to be the touchstone of our assurance, and it's a glorious thing, and it's a great thing. And Paul wants to lead off with that to say, here is benefit number one of being justified before God. You now are at peace with your maker. And as we talked about yesterday, this peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it is most certainly this objective um, reality that our status with God has changed. We are now children of God. We are part of his family. And it's it, it describes, in essence, a relational reality. Now, there's also what I would call a subjective peace, and that's the, the peace we experience um, in relationship 
to God. Okay, and so flip over really quick. I read this yesterday. We're going to read it again, Philippians 4, 7. And I think this is a, a good example of what we talk about, what we mean when we talk about the, our experience of the peace of God. We can get these pages unwound. Here we go. Philippians 4, 7. They don't, don't try this at home. It's more difficult than it looks. Okay, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So let's read the whole thing beginning at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul lets us know um, about a different kind of peace. Now, it's related to the peace of the Lord, objective peace, but this more relates to our experience of the peace of God. And here, he's addressing those who feel anxious, who are worried, who are um, who are fretting about who knows what in life, um, things small or things big. And Paul is giving this command um, to, as a response to their, to their anxiety, um, their lack of peace, that they bring their request to, uh, to God, and that God will in turn guard their hearts and minds. He will comfort them with his peace, okay? And so here, so again, we see there's an objective peace and a subjective peace, but, but we don't think while they are distinct, there are huge areas of overlap. And I want to go through some of those in just a moment. But let me say first that the standard greeting in the Old Testament, peace, shalom, really means a convergence of these two kinds of peace, right? It means you're wishing someone, when you wish shalom on someone, you are wishing God's peace, his objective, uh, faith-filled peace, so that you are right with him, and yet your experience of that faith-filled peace um, will be of one whole, one, one accord, one fabric. And, and this was the, the, the height of blessing that Jews would offer to one another. Shalom, peace of God with you. May your experience of this peace of God be with you as well. And, and in the New Testament, we see this same, it's a, it's a different Greek word. We'll talk about that later. Uh, peace. And so when Paul says grace and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ, that's Paul's greeting of shalom. Now, shalom is also talked about by the prophets as that end time peace that God will usher in uh, one day uh, when he returns and sets up his kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. And it's on in that new heavens and new earth, there will be a perfect shalom. There'll be a perfect convergence of the objective peace of God and, and our subjective experience of it into one whole, you won't even be able to parcel them out. They'll be, they'll be intertwined together. That's on the day of the Lord and for eternity. But for now, things are not always quite that simple, are they? Sometimes um, we might mistake peace that we have in our hearts for God's approval on something that is otherwise shown by God's word to be very sinful. Um, there's been many people over the years who have claimed peace in their hearts as they are uh, pursuing an unbiblical divorce, as they are pursuing an unjust course of action, as they are um, practicing um, unethical sorts of 
codes of conduct in their in their business. People have had peace about this. Now, of course, that's not a biblical peace, okay? But what people are saying is my conscience is undisturbed, okay? My conscience is undisturbed, and I have a peace about what I'm doing, and that makes it right, okay? So sometimes we can mistake our peace, quote unquote, for approval of God from God, and that's not necessarily true. On the other hand, we can also sometimes experience unrest, okay? We don't have peace in our hearts, um, and we can mistake that for we have done something wrong, okay? Or, or God is not pleased with us. And, and, when it, and when in fact, that may not be the case at all, right? So if you get word today that um, someone is going to come and harm your family, you're going to feel unrest. You're going to feel anxiety in a sense. You're going to feel what I would kind of call a holy, a holy anxiety. You're going to be propelled to action. Your spirit is not going to be at rest till you know that your family is safe. Now, in the middle of all that, does that mean you are at unrest with God or lack of peace with God? No, okay? Which brings us to a couple of principles, all right? And or I've got four here, and I want to lay them out for you. And then I want to, to give, give you some instructions for next time, okay? Number one, not all peace is created equal, right? Um, there's, there's a peace that we can have that is completely divorced of a relationship with God, and that is not the same as being at peace with God, okay? Um, sometimes we can, we can fret or be anxious about little things or big things, and, and, and God has a, has, a, has a command for us to bring those things to him in prayer. But not all peace, okay, is necessarily created equal. And of course, when I say that, I'm putting peace in quotation marks, right? Because you can experience a peace in your soul, but again, as I said before, be doing something unbiblical, unrighteous, and that's not really God's peace at all, but we mistake it for God's peace. So not all peace is created equal. Number two, um, you can be at unrest, but be at peace with God, okay? So, so your experience of God's peace can be out of kilter. Um, you can be worried about something, something, something big, something little, just because you're worried or anxious, okay, um, say that you find out you get a trip to the doctor and you find that you have an incurable disease and you feel anxious about that. That doesn't mean that you are um, not trusting God, okay? That just means that that unrest is a signal to your soul to take your request to God, to ask for his peace to guard your heart and your mind and Christ Jesus. Um, by the same token, principle number three, you can be at rest but not be at peace, okay? So Paul even says this. He says, look, my conscience is clear, um, but ultimately it's the Lord who has to judge me, all right? Uh, and then principle number four, okay, and this is important, all unrest or lack of peace is rooted in sin, but not all unrest or lack of peace is sinful, okay? So what we're saying there, I'll say it again, all unrest is rooted in sin, but not all unrest is sinful. It means that because we live in a broken world, we don't always have shalom, and many times we do not. And many of the things that we experience aren't a direct result of our sin or our culpability, they're just the effects of living in a fallen world. Again, you get some terrible news that, has, that something has happened to a family member. You experience unrest. Is that unrest sinful? 
No, I would say that that is part of just being human. That's part of being uh, weak. That's part of having a certainly a sin nature, but it, it's a, it measures more our humanness than it does sin. Now, there's other times we most certainly take on anxiety and worry. We don't give it to God. We, we meditate on it. We, we, we treasure it, right? Our, our precious, this anxiety and this worry, and that is sinful, right? That's, that's sinful for us not bringing it to God. But just by the experience of unrest in and of itself, while that unrest is ultimately derivative of sin, we may not be committing sin um, just because we feel um, unrest about something. We are more commanded about what to do with that unrest. Now, here's a little assignment for next time, okay? Um, flip back in your concordance in the back of your Bible. And again, a concordance is that little index in the back of your Bible which tells you about the, um, the occurrence of certain verbs or certain, I'm sorry, certain words in certain passages. And look under peace, and you're going to be astounded at the number of times we find the word peace. And these aren't even exhaustive, right? Um, if you get a really huge concordance or access one online, you can get, you can get the, the full printout here. But just as an example, here are a few verses that talk about peace. First uh, Corinthians 7:15, God has called you to peace. Um, we have John 20, 26, where Jesus says, my peace be with you. We have Ephesians 2, 14, for he himself is our peace. Um, we have Colossians 3, 15, and the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone. And a good practice would be to go through and read as many verses about peace as you can. And as you read them, kind of like, be able to kind of situate them into different categories. Is this, what kind of peace is this talking about? Is this the peace of God? Is this the peace that I experience? Or more likely there's going to be all this overlap. And what we want to talk about next time, tomorrow when we're together, is how do we make decisions, okay, when we feel unrest, okay? Or even if we feel rest, how does that dictate our decisions? How it, it's, it can be a dangerous thing, like, right, to, to make all of our decisions based upon what we do or do not feel peace about. When, as we've seen, there can be all kinds of peace, all kinds of unrest, all varieties of these things. How do we discern them? How do we, how do we make decisions based upon that? And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. But in the meantime, read your Bible, all the occurrences of peace that you can find. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to live at peace with you. We do want to walk in the power of your spirit. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us about your peace today as we read your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you 